Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. about how love and commands fit together. That's what we're doing tonight. Um, I remember a number of years ago now, a very good friend of ours was in the process of becoming a Christian. She was from a Catholic background. She was an adult um, and had joined our community and was very attracted to Jesus. Um, And I remember having a conversation with her and it basically said, she was saying, I would really like to become a Christian but I don't want to be a goody-goody. Um, and again, Catholic background, what she was really saying was, um, there's something really attractive about the person of Jesus, um, but I'm uncomfortable with rules. And as a good Protestant, you want to say, well, it's not about rules. It's not about, like, I get you don't want to become a goody-goody. And faith's not about goodies and baddies. And being a Christian is not about sort of stopping being a baddie and starting being a goody. Being a Christian is about being dead and then alive. Like, that's, the, that's a good gospel message. But actually, it's, that's not quite right. It's a bit more complicated than that because we want to say, no, no, it's about being dead and now being alive, but now you should be good. <laughs> There's something about goodness and about these commands that still matters. It matters whether we behave well. Um, you see the same problem or tension in church. So we want to say, you know what, this church... Particularly, when I say we, particularly we, the lives, the lives of five, live and nine, we want to be an inclusive, welcoming community that very strongly says, come as you are. There are no hoops you need to jump through to, to join and to come and to meet Jesus like, come as you are. But we're also a people with a passion for repentance and transformation, for holiness. Um, And at points, there'll be things where we say, well, actually, that's not, we don't tolerate that sort of behaviour in this community. There'll be a place for discipline as well. So, yeah, come as you are, but um, you can't just behave in any old way. There's boundaries. See the same tension in Jesus' ministry. You see him telling stories about the prodigal son who goes away and he comes back to his father and um, his life is a complete train wreck. Even the coming back is a train wreck. He comes back trying to do goodies and baddies and tries to sort of negotiate his way back or buy his way back or earn his way back and the father just rushes to him and throws a party and says, forget all that nonsense. Um, Doesn't seem like there's many consequences at all. And then there's stories like the... A woman caught in adultery and 
that Jesus seems to not say anything to her. I mean, he certainly says, don't do this anymore, but it's, there's no, seems like there's no consequences um, for her behaviour. But then at the same time, Jesus also says, you know what, your righteousness needs to exceed the Pharisees and not even one little dot of the laws disappears um, because of what I'm doing. See it in Paul. I'll read a couple of verses. Romans chapter 5. Again, proper, proper good, uh, well, prezi and um, Protestant gospel. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through faith in Christ that we are justified and that we are made right with God. That's the basis that we're judged. Um, but a couple of chapters earlier, in chapter 2, verse 6, it also says, God will repay each one according to his works, eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, but wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. So, yep, say through Jesus, but what we do matters and we get judged on what we do. And there's this tension. And you see this tension here in Deuteronomy. So we're in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And what I want to do is wrestle with the tension and I want, I want to sort of say two things. I think we can bring it together. I think the tension sort of an imagined imagine tension. I want to say two things and then tell a story. So it will be sort of simple. But um, it's not very simple. So the first thing I want to say is that um, love is commandable. So Deuteronomy 6, um, and I'll read from verse 4, and it's the Shema that we had read out before. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Um, as we already heard, this is the Shema. It's like the central verse of Judaism. In fact, they would say this is the most important verse in the whole of the Old Testament. This is the heart of faith. Um, and Jesus says something similar. What's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God. And a second one is like a love your neighbour. So this is right at the heart of things. By the way, for any Hebrew nerds out there, um, it's really interesting the way it's phrased too. It's like, um, the Lord, what's it? Yahweh, God, and then it is Yahweh, one. That's really all it says. There's no Hebrews are different, slightly different language. So it's um, God is God, and God must be your only God. That's the framing of it. Um, have no other gods. It's like the commands. And then love the Lord your God with all your heart. And notice that it's a command. You must love Him. It's a command to love. And that's because love is commandable. We do it all the time. We tell people to love all the time. 
Um, heck, we do it in football. As a football coach, you say things like, throw your heart into it, boys. Get out there and invest yourself in it. Um, and certainly we say it as parents, love your brother, love your sister. And that's appropriate because love is not merely a feeling. We want our feelings to be involved, but it's far more than that. Um, love is an act of the will. Um, something that we can choose, something that we can learn how to do, something we can invest in. We need a very rich conception of love. Um, and love is inherently moral. Let me put it slightly differently. We say things like um, love is unconditional. We have this idea of unconditional love. But that is not true. Love is profoundly conditional. It's unconditional in some senses, like... Yeah, you don't want to have the wrong sort of conditions put on. Or like, I'll only love you if you do something, if you make me feel happy or whatever. Like, But by its very nature, love comes with bonds. It comes with a bond of commitment. It comes with a bond of investment. It comes with a bond of care. It comes with conditions. It's a moral thing. It's a weighty thing. It's a heavy thing. It's a relational thing where you are deeply invested and committed to that person and there are rights that go along with it and there are wrongs you can do it badly you can do it well um, but it's a choice we make to care for people to seek the best for people and hopefully our heart will tag along as we do it in the sense of our feelings will go along with it but we make choices we choose to love um, and it's commandable. In fact, I think, I think the heart of being a Christian, the, the Jews are onto something here. This verse really matters because the secret, if that's the right word to be a Christian, is just learning how to be a lover, learning how to love love or, or asking the Spirit to help our feelings catch up with our wills and to enjoy loving people. That's the challenge. Um, but even if our feelings are slow... <laughs> You can command people to love because love is a moral thing. It's inherently, unavoidably, necessarily has rights and wrongs attached to it. That's the first thing. Second thing is that laws are lovable. So love is commandable, but laws are, or at least can be, lovable. Or maybe a better word is treasurable. Let me read verse 6 again. Or I'll read from verse 4 again. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord's one. Love the Lord's God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. These commands are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your head. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. This is a call to have, to treasure God's commands and to write them down. And the Jews took this literally. Literally, Again, this is one of the sort of core things for Orthodox Jews. You'll see them with little boxes on their head and there's a thing they wrap on their arms and they 
they're little boxes with the scriptures in them, and one of the scriptures they write on them is these verses, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 6. They've wrapped, they're written down and rolled up and put there and put there and put on their doors. They literally do this. Um, now, we don't need to do it. Well, feel free to do that. Um, but the key is the heart, that they're doing it symbolically because it's on the heart. And we also have read out Jeremiah 31. Now, in the time of the Spirit, God writes these things on our hearts. Um, it's a hard thing. Um, but it's, we can love them. We can treasure God's commands. And again, that makes sense. It makes sense to us that commands, if they're good, if they are properly lovable, um, that we can enjoy them and rejoice in them. Um, if we see God's moral laws as shepherding, and if we see God as wise, and caring for us and loving of us, then we should treasure every word that he says to us. And remember, too, the context for this is profoundly, I've just rescued you now this. So if, you, if we jump down to verse 20, and I'll sort of spend a lot of the rest of that time in verses 20 to 25. When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the, all these rules, these statutes, these ordinances that the Lord has commanded you, tell them this. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh and on all his household. But he brought us from there in order to lead us in and give us the land he swore to our fathers, and the Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our prosperity always and for our preservation. God has just shown you how much he's loved you, he's rescued you, he's brought you to this brilliant place and he's given you these rules for your prospering, for your own good. Um, so treasure them and love them and enjoy them. I'm not sure if this illustration entirely works, but I like it. Uh, I remember seeing this story of, um, I think it was a mum, a young mum with small kids who had a terminal illness. And so she wrote letters for her kids and they were letters for them to read like, when they turned 18, when they were down the track. I think they were like even well, maybe when they were 12, when they were 18. And they were like advice, like here's what I want to tell you when you're 18. Here's the wisdom I want to give to you when you're ready for it. Here's my hopes and dreams for your life. Um, profoundly moral, profoundly, um, they weren't strictly commands, but they were do this and it will go well for you. Um, and I imagine those kids treasure those letters. Because he's our mum and they, she profoundly loves us and wants the best for us. And that's what these commands are. And that's what this is. God has just rescued them and says, I love you. I've just shown you how much I love you. Um, and so treasure these words. It's going to be best for you if you treasure them. Love is commandable because it's profoundly moral, but it's also treasurable because it's beautiful and good. So they, like, they, so they seamlessly go together. But, and here's the but, um, for some reason we always need to keep being reminded of this 
we're good at forgetting this. The Israelites have just finished being completely stupid, or in the process of being stupid, like they're, they're sitting at the base of a mountain and there's fire and there's clouds and there's tablets, all these amazing things, and they still go and make a gold cow. Like it just, how hard is it to forget what's just happened? You've just been rescued and you still forget. And you get this cool thing in verse 20, when, you're, when your kids ask you, what's with all this? What's with all these rules? We don't get it. Um, and what do you tell them? Well, you tell them God rescued you. You tell them the gospel actually is what you tell you. God redeemed you to be his people and to give you this brilliant way to live. Um, and the way is good and he is good. And so the love and the commands, they all fit together. Love him and love the commands. And we need to just keep reminding ourselves of that because we tend to veer off. We tend to separate law and love. We tend to cheapen love and say, well, we just, love is just being nice to each other. Let's not worry about rules. Or we tend to cheapen love and love rules. We become legalistic. But we need to remember. I don't think it's that hard, but we just don't tend to like it, I think, is a thing in our hearts. Um, but we are redeemed people. And it, it's totally seamless. So here's sort of how it works. We're redeemed by this forgiving God into a kingdom of forgiveness, like sort of forgiveness all the way down. And it's brilliant. And we're redeemed in joy. Um, Hebrews tells us, for the joy that was set before Jesus that he saved us. In joy, he redeemed us into a kingdom of joy. Um, and he tells us, rejoice always. Like, it, again, seamless, it all works all the way down. It's joy. Um, self-sacrifice, he gave himself self-sacrificially into a kingdom to rescue us into a kingdom where we sacrifice ourselves. And he tells us, give yourselves to one another. That's the command because it's brilliant. You can go through all the commands if you like. They're all the same thing. We're declared righteous by a righteous God who causes us to be righteous. It totally makes sense. Um, but um, we just need to learn how to do it. Let me tell one story and then wind up. Some of you people here might know this family, but there's a family um, who are good friends, of, still are good friends of ours, are at the Anglican Church, and for years, I think they still, still do, it's been like 30, 40 years, they went on a motorbike camp Scripture Union motorbike camp and there was a kid that kept coming year after year to this camp, a young boy who um, had been fostered out and he'd gone from family to family to family um, and he kept coming year by year that he was sent by, um, I think the government was paying for him to go on this camp and when, by the time he was sort of around 12, 13, this family thought, you know what, um, and this kid was a mess by then because there was no one who'd loved him faithfully. They thought, this kid really just needs a family. And so they decided to adopt him. Um, now, they already had kids around about the same age. And he joined the family. Um, and it was complicated. He was not lovable <laughs> all the time. Um, and it was tricky when he joined the family because... 
Um, again, it was very much like this. It was a gospel thing, not because he deserved it, not because he was particularly lovable. I said, no, you, we, we're going to love you and redeem you and you're going to join this family, this loving family, because that's what you need. You need a family that's loving. Um, but he didn't know love very well. He didn't know what it was to be loved. He didn't trust. Um, he would run away at times. There was violence within the family. Um, but that was the challenge. He needed to learn what it was to enjoy loving, <laughs> to enjoy being loved and to love. And the family rules that he bucked against at times, some of them he hated, some of them he enjoyed, but it was discipline for him learning how to be a, lo a loving person. And it was tough. And that's, that's us, that's church. We come in here and we're all from different backgrounds. Some of you might be better lovers than others. I was not a great one. But we're being trained by a loving, redeeming God to enjoy this stuff. And there'll be bits that we think, no, that's not very loving. We brace against that, but we need to trust. And the challenge is, in the mess of all that, is not to resort to either using laws or rules as weapons to attack people, or to sort of give up and just say, well, go for it, do whatever you want. We can veer off into libertarian or we can veer off into using laws as weapons to manipulate people, to enforce things on people. But if you do either of those things, you're untethering love from commands. You've got to hold them together. I wish I could give you an easy way to hold them together. Um, but again, the illustration I'd give you is you, you do it in families, do the best we can. In families, there are rules... Um, but I think in families, most of the time, certainly in healthy families, people get a sense, yeah, these, these rules are for my benefit. Um, so you can hold it together. The challenge is to do it well. Uh, let me pray. Let me pray that you would here, we would, as a community of churches, be able to hold both those things, in our, hold laws in our hearts, um, because they're not actually intention. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that in your love and in joy, you redeemed us and you brought us into this community and you've given us a way to live that leads to us prospering. Um, thank you that you do command us to love you and to love your laws, to love forgiveness, to love joy to love self-sacrifice, to love bearing with each other, to love holiness and righteousness and peace. And please pour out your spirit on us. Write these laws on our hearts so that we do treasure them and pursue them. And Lord, keep us from using your laws as weapons. Um, also keep us from seeing them as things that will harm us or things that we need to sneak around the side of. Um, help us to trust that your laws do lead to our, our prospering. And we pray that for your glory's sake and also for our own prospering's sake. We thank you for that and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.